My name is Chris Levy, veteran, winepreneur, and founder of Chris's Wine Club. And if you want to learn to design your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm super excited to have my friend Chris Levy with us today. Um, Chris is a veteran, winepreneur, and lover and world traveler. Chris specializes in helping wine brands build communities and relationships with their consumers. He practices what he preaches with his own wine club, where he helps local wineries tell the stories behind the wine during his monthly wine club members call. And we're going to get into this with the interview, but that's one of the things that I think sets Chris apart is the fact that he tells you the story behind the local wineries, which is something that I think most wine lovers don't get. Really quickly, before we do, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Mastermind. Are you someone who is a serial accomplisher? Let me explain what I mean by that. Are you searching for that next thing that you need to accomplish to find the happiness, fulfillment, or success you've been missing? You keep thinking, I'll be happy when. Believe me, I've said those words and I know your pain. I used to chase success like it was a pot of gold at the end of some accomplishment rainbow. And just like that pot of gold, the closer I got, the further away it seemed. Because it's an illusion. It doesn't exist. If somebody was to ask you, what does success mean to you? And you can't answer that question, then the Design Your Life Mastermind is for you. Head over to designyourlife.successdevelopmentsolutions.com to schedule a call with me and see if we're a good fit to work together. The sooner you do, the sooner you can start living the life you've always wanted instead of chasing an illusion that you'll never obtain. And with that being said, let's jump into this interview. Chris, thank you so much for being with me. Yeah, no, thanks for having me today, Amber. I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, so I'm glad we're able to finally do it today. Yes, I'm so excited. This is, um, for those of you listening, this has been like months in the making between internet problems and then scheduling problems and then like plan pandemics. Like it just seems like we've had to work to make this happen, which means it's going to be that much more amazing, right? Patience. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the key to everything. I love it. So you have so much in your story that I want to dig into, but let's start by going back. Who is Chris? Where did you grow up? What did you think you were going to be when you were a kid? Okay. So I grew up in uh, Texas and Houston, um, kind of in the suburb area. So I, uh, I like to say, I, I kind of think I have like an average normal upbringing. There's, there's no average normal upbringing, but, um, pretty, pretty vanilla, you know, grew up in the suburbs. Um, but, when I was two years old, my mom can tell Kelly tell you the story like pretty vividly. Uh, we were sitting at some railroad tracks down in Houston, um, and it was like 1990, 1991. Can't tell you the exact year, but it was right before the Gulf War was getting ready to kick off. 
and uh, the first Gulf War, and uh, there was a bunch of tra- a bunch of uh, tanks and um, Bradley fighting, fighting vehicles going across the tracks headed to Galveston because Galveston is a, a port of uh, embarkation for uh, the military to send uh, vehicles and equipment over to uh, you know wherever it needs to go in the world. And so uh, we were sitting at the, the tracks and my mom says, you looked at the train going by and said, I want to do that when I'm older or whenever it is. And ever since then, I knew I was going to be in the military. That's amazing. I um, always hear stories of people who knew exactly what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I'm always jealous because I'm like, I have no idea. So I think that that's an amazing story. So military is something that you've always wanted to do. What branch did you go into? So I'm in the army. Very cool. Very cool. And how does one go from army to wine club? Those things don't always seem to go together. I know that that's a big question with a lot yeah. in between, but um, how does this happen? I mean, it it was um, it it was just a, it was a process. Um, I uh, was uh, right around like that five or six year mark of of doing the army and a couple of deployments and uh, lots of time away, which which I enjoy. Um, it's it's you know people like to be able to do their job and everything. Um, but I wasn't quite sure like what my future was going to hold. I didn't know if this was going to be the thing for me, if it was going to be career or whatever. And so, um, I started just like this self-development, more so self-awareness journey. I think so many people talk about where, um, started reading, started listening to podcasts, uh, started talking to people and, um, started going through this existential crisis of like, what do I want to do? What do I want to, who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? Um, and from that, I realized that I want to be an entrepreneur, um, and I want to start and run my own business. My dad ran his own business. Um, I know a lot of people run their own business and to me, it's, it seemed like the next challenge and, um, and that's what pushed me down this path. And so, uh, for the next, you know, two or three years, I, I started a company, um, tried to try to do my, you know, tried to do that thing while still on active duty and everything. Um, and ended up failing miserably, like not even like, yeah, you know, put money down the drain, but it's not even about that. Like, it's just, you know, that failure of not getting your product in front of the right person to get them to buy. Um, and that's like, that's that sting you feel, but it pushes you to get better and pushes you to push yourself. And, um, I realized that I didn't have the skill sets I needed to be an effective entrepreneur. And so following that for the next two to three years, I went on this, another, self-awareness and, and uh, self-development uh, journey where I was like, all right, I know I want to run a business, a successful business. I need the skill set to do that. So I need to know sales. I need to learn how to do marketing, uh, how to do social media, uh, all these different skill sets that you need to run an effective business. Um, I started just picking them up, uh, started through, you know, content, writing content regularly and putting stuff out there. And uh, through that process, I kind of was able to hone in on my niche. I love it. I love it. There's a couple of things I want to focus on what you said, because I think they're so important. Um, First of all, you said your dad ran um, his own business before. So did you kind of know the struggles and the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur? Or was this a whole new set of challenges for you? No, no, that is definitely I had no idea uh, what I mean. I I heard people talking about it. But it doesn't really click for you until you feel those challenges. Um, and you feel what it's like to be on the roller coaster and, you know, not like 
the whole of like going in and just creating something from the ground up and then trying to figure out how to price it and then get in front of the right person to get them to buy. Like you don't, you don't know. And you don't know what that feels like until you're, until you're in it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely agree. One of the things you said that I absolutely love is that um, you had no idea how to be an entrepreneur. And so you had to go figure it out. And I think that there's this big misconception out there that being an entrepreneur is something that's just in your DNA and you wake up and you're like, I don't know any other way. And I think that there are personality traits that serve entrepreneurs more than others but the idea of being an entrepreneur, like it's a lot of learning and it's a lot of hard work. Where did you start trying to figure that out? Yeah, for me, it started a lot with um, one. I started listening to Tim Ferriss podcast. That was that was my first first thing, and then just started like layering on other things, uh, like like audiobooks. Um, I mean, I love. I'm not a, I'm not a big, uh, reader. The only time I'll read like a real book is if I'm on vacation or if I have to, like I'm in grad school right now, I'll, I'll do that. But, um, outside of that, I love audiobooks because I like to be doing two things at once. And, uh, so while I'm driving, I can listen to a book and, and get everything I want. So, um, started reading all the great business books, you know, start with why by Simon Sinek and, um, good to great by Jim Collins and just devouring all this information. Um, and from that, I was able to kind of pull out these lessons that I think were going to give me the skill set I needed to, to actually be successful. Absolutely. What was the relationship for you with this idea of like trial by error? Like everybody talks about it, but I don't think that, um, you really understand it. So you get in this, in this field. So when you're trying to figure out how to start your own business, and I know that the wine club isn't your first one. So if you're trying to figure out how to start your own business, and then you're going through the ups and downs, like what were the things that you focused on to keep moving forward when everything around you felt like it was falling apart? Cause I don't know if you're like me, I was like, dude, I suck at this entrepreneurship. Like, and so you got to figure out how to keep going. Yeah, I, I think one is um, I actually just started the, this year. I've got a, a vision board uh, right by my desk. And um, some of it's related to wine and entrepreneurship. And um, so most of it's just life stuff that, that keeps me focused. It reminds me of what I'm working towards. Um, and then two, just having great, great relationships with people that know and care about you and are genuinely interested in what you're doing. Um, and I think you run across these people that really are one of your, you know, true fans. Um, and when you like get that feedback from them and they just love everything you, you're doing and just share and promote it and um, tell you that they love it. You, well, I do first, I, I screenshot that when I get that, that feedback from them. Um, and two, like, it's a great way to just remind yourself of like, Hey, there is, there are people out there that love what I'm doing. So even if it's just one person when you want to share, you know, give that person that thing that you're doing so well to them and share that with them and remind, my, remind yourself that you are making a difference to at least one person. Yeah, I definitely agree with the, the one person thing. And sometimes it's hard because we, I thank God we're coming out of this culture a little bit, but we were just in a culture where like your success as an entrepreneur was defined by how many followers you had on social media. And so you then start and you're thinking, holy crap, like I've, I've got like four people liking my, my posts. Like this must mean that 
it's not meant for me, but that's for people that are really engaged in, in what we're doing. And so I think that that one is greater than zero mentality is so important when you're getting started. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's fun to see kind of how that evolves and how it, how it grows. And it's just like the stock market, like you got to look at those kinds of things as um, bull and bear markets, you know, it's going to go up and it's going to go down. But if you just take a step back and look at the trajectory, then you'll see that you'll start to see these like little signs of success. Um, like whether it's starting to book more calls, you know, book a client here, book a client there, uh, more people engaging with your content, more people reaching out to you. Like you just slowly start to see the breadcrumbs and then it just starts to build up with steam and momentum over time. Yeah, for sure. That idea of consistency, even when you don't see anything coming out of it is so key. Definitely. So, so you had, um, you're in the military, you start businesses, you decide that you're going to go into this wine field. Um, how did you choose wine? Was it something that you always loved? Was it a new venture for you? Like, what was it about wine? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, so right when I had just graduated from college, um, I went to my first job, which was in Colorado Springs for the Army. And I uh, went to Afghanistan, came back from Afghanistan. And uh, my dad had business there once a month. And he would come in, he would take his employees out um, to, to dinner as just like a thank you for, you know, all the hard work you're doing. And just so he can check in with them and see, you know, what's new with, uh, with the business and stuff. And um, I would get to go uh, and spend some time with him and meet his employees and everything. And we'd have a good time. Um, but we would go to dinner and then he would, uh, the, the good days of going to dinner, um, we would go to dinner and he would order a bottle of wine for the whole, whole table. And he would just look at the, the wine list and just know exactly what to order based off of what we were eating and how everyone was feeling, what kind of you know night we wanted to have. And I watched him do that and said, you know what, I want to be like that. I want to be like my dad. I want to be able to order a bottle of wine with confidence for the rest of the table. And that just like planted the seed firmly in the back of my mind that um, I wanted to develop that ability and just start learning more about wine. And every year I wanted to, that the more I wanted to learn about wine just increased. Yeah, it's so interesting. Cause I remember we've had this conversation a couple of times and um, it's so amazing to me every time you tell this story, because I think the same thought every single time. And that's that a successful wine club has very little to do with wine and everything to do with knowing your people. I mean, obviously your product is your product and that's so important, but the ability to say, this is what my people want and it's going to make them feel like this because of these things is so key. Can you talk about your relationship with the wineries, the way that you pick the wine and how you make sure that that feeling that you want to create in your wine club continues, even though you're not sitting at a dinner table with them? Yeah, no, that's, I'll, I want to kind of hit on something you just said real quick. One, um, and I, I tell people, you know, when, when they join the club that, Hey, I'm not going to get this right on the first go, you know, it, it's, it's a club for a reason because you're investing in these wines and trying stuff. So that way we can figure out what you do like. So that way, eventually we can start putting, pointing you on to wines that you're going to love. 
And so it's a process of, hey, tell me what you thought about this wine. You didn't like this. You didn't like that. Tell me, give me as much feedback and detail as possible. And um, I'm just really trying to get people over this fear of uh, saying something negative or saying something about the wines that I, I find that as the biggest compliments when someone tells me that they hate the wine, because that means I know that I'm one step closer to find a wine that they're going to love. And so um, that's, that's really how we take that approach when it comes to the club and picking wines. But as far as, you know, curating the club and wineries and everything, um, I think it starts with finding wineries that have a really cool story um, and understand the geography and how much that plays into the wine. Um, and all of that just kind of commingles into, you know, with a little bit of culture uh, and food into this awesome story that uh, we can share with our members every month about how this wine was made and what it's intended for. I love that. All right. So I have an, an interesting question for you, and there may not be a right answer to this. And you can also choose not to answer it if you want to. I don't know how this is going to go over. So that's a horrible preframe. Um, do you like, okay, so wine, I, first of all, I don't drink a ton of wine. I've given you a challenge to find me a wine that I like. So um, do you think that finding the wineries that have the good story behind them psychologically makes the wine taste better when you can give that to your clients because they are more emotionally invested in understanding where that wine comes from. Yeah. So let me, let me take off my wine club proprietor owner hat off real quick. And let me put my wine marketing hat on real quick. When, when people, if you're a winery or a wine brand or any sort of, you know, uh, service hospitality brand, you know, you want people to have an awesome experience. And that starts from the moment they make contact with your brand, they start on their customer journey. Um, I was in this, I was going doing some wine tasting a few months back last year. Uh, and it was such, it looked like such a cool winery. Like it's in the middle of this valley. Um, it's, you know, sandwiched in between these two mountains. It's in this little small little town, just along with the other places. Uh, but this one's cool. They've got a corner lot on the street um and, and i'm gonna try to like you know unveil some of the psychology here but they've got a corner lot which is awesome so people can see it from the road they've got this whole like kind of half italian half spanish uh veranda stucco thing going on for their their wine tasting room and stuff and i won't name name names about the winery and so uh it looks cool it looks inviting it's got some nice plants around the edge my friend and i we walk in and we sit in a line for 20 minutes before anyone like comes and serves us just to see like, Hey, would you like to get some wine? Would you like to, would you like a table? Uh, what can we do for you? And so the, if you can't nail that first customer uh, service, that, that first touch point with the customer in their journey, when they go to taste your wines, chances are they're not going to like your wines. Um, and so you have to do everything in your power to make them fall in love with you on that first impression uh, because that's going to change the way that they view your wines and your brand drastically. Yeah, I think that's such good advice for any industry whatsoever. Um, it's so crazy how we'll go out of our way. I mean, my, my things that I frequent on a regular <clears throat> basis, my doggy daycare, the places that I personally choose to go are nowhere near me. I mean, I drove my dog 45 minutes for a weekend boarding trip the other day, and it had nothing to do with um, the actual boarding. It's the relationships that you build with people. It's that first customer experience. And we hear all the time, um, 
that that first touch is so important, but then maintaining that. Um, we, we see mediocre products that have this huge success because they have such good customer service and people like the way they feel. Yeah. Yeah. Tapping into how people feel is, is so important. And it's, you know, it is, um, it's not necessary to have, like you said, that amazing product. It's not necessary to put everything into that, that initial launch you're going to do for a product. Like you can't, you know, just do paralysis by analysis and just analyze that thing and try to get it perfect. Uh, but what you can do is do things right and be transparent and let people know like, Hey, this is where we're at with this product. And this is kind of the base level, still provide that high quality of service um, and, you know, the high quality product, but Hey, this, this isn't quite, you know, at the concept we'd like it to be at, but we're asking you to, to take a chance with us um, and, you know, help us refine this uh, so that way it gets better in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting that you just mentioned transparency, because I was going to say the same thing about what you mentioned about your relationship with your wine club members, where you say, hey, we're not going to get this right on the first time. Like being able to have that communication of, hey, this is an investment. And then also being able to have that transparency of like, sorry, you know, we're human and we're going to make this right for you. It's always the, it's always the come to me with the problem with the solution already in hand, right? Don't come to me with the problem and then be all like, I'll figure it out. Cause then you're just pissed. Cause you have a problem. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. So how do you pick your wineries outside of, you know, I know they have this amazing backstory um, and you look for wineries that have this great customer experience. Are you finding these through referrals? Are you finding them through your experience? Like what, what's your selection process? Yeah, it's a little bit of uh, personal experience and haven't been um, to several of the wine regions here in California. So we're we're primarily focused on California wineries right now, um, just by virtue of me being physically in California uh, and everything that the California wine industry has uh, undergone in the past uh, six months to a year with uh, fires and the pandemic and everything. Um, it just makes sense to really support uh, California and American wine. And we like to say we're telling the great American wine story. And so um, really showing how we want to showcase how California has, you know, developed some great wines that go to market and compete in the international arena with wines from the old world um, and other new world regions. And, um, and through that process uh, as well, we, we get to find some brands that uh, maybe just need a little bit of uh, attention or, um, you know, some, some experience or some uh, connections outside of their local area. A lot of brands have uh, their model is highly dependent on tourism and, you know, foot traffic um, because that's how they get uh, customers into, uh, you know, into their, uh, into their funnels for lack of a better word. And so um, what we try to do is try to find brands that, you know, could use a little bit more, a uh, little bit more boost and um, connect them with an outside audience, as we like to say. Yeah, it seems like you've really created that win-win-win with your wine club. You know, you have something for the wineries other than just the selling of their product and external benefit. You've got this amazing opportunity for people to experience new wines. And then you've created the, just this environment where everybody can kind of grow and expand together, which I think is really cool. 
So let's go back just a little bit and talk about like starting this idea of a subscription box. Cause I think that this is one of the things that's so interesting for people. Subscription boxes are becoming so popular and I don't think anybody really knows how they work. Like they order them and a box shows up and I think we miss all the stuff in the middle. So what was that like for you? Had you done a subscription box before you created the wine club or was this your first one? Yeah, no, another great question. So my first business, and I mean, it's still technically my business uh, in name, uh, my LLC, it's the name of my LLC, but uh, my first business, it was called uh, Party in a Box, everything you need for a party in a box delivered to your door. Um, and it's funny how things kind of come full circle, uh, but it was essentially a party in a box subscription. And we would send out a, a holiday themed uh, party in a box uh, every month or quarter, whatever it was gonna be uh, to people, which, did not go so very well. And so here's another piece of advice, like for your first business, find a business model that already works and already exists. And then just create your own version of that. Um, and I, and that is exactly what I did with the wine club. Wine clubs are, you know, it's a vetted idea. Uh, people know how to do it. So I, I decided to take that, that model, take my experience I learned from my first business um, and launch, uh, launch a, a, you know, a wine club that has my own take, um, and, and really find that blue ocean for me. Right. Um, if you keep, if you take something that, uh, has a tried and true business model, and then you put your own self into it and kind of, uh, put your own riff on it through whether it's your personal brand, your personality, um, or your own take on it. Like for me, we, we like to say we're not just a wine club, we're a wine community. Uh, then you create that blue ocean for yourself and your business that uh, no one can compete in. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I'm in the middle of reading um, Steal Like an Artist. Have you read that yet or listened to it? No, it's actually really, really good. Um, the author, I'll have to put it in the show notes. I can't remember the author right now. Austin, somebody. Um, but the idea is that there's no unique human thought at this point, like everything that you could think about art, creativity, business has been thought and said before going back, you know, centuries. And so the idea, like so many people think somebody's doing what I'm doing, so I can't do it. And then there's all of these ideas that just get left on the table. What you said about take a business model that works and then add your own flair to it is so amazing. Did you have any of the imposter syndrome, the I'm stealing somebody else's idea? Was that anything that went through your head when you started your first um, subscription box? Yeah, it's, I think it's something that, um, that, uh, I and a lot of people get a lot in, um, you know, you have to like, like, just like you said, like pull a business model that works, you know, and, um, and, and get over yourself and remind yourself, like, look at almost any business, especially like a local business, like a construction company or, like a donut shop, like there's so many different, you know, examples of this. There's not just one. Yeah. You have the Krispy Kremes, you have the Dunkin' Donuts, but you go to any, you know, town or uh, city or whatever. And there's, uh, you know, 20 or 30 independent donut shops that are doing just fine and doing great. Uh, they might, they might be a little bit challenged right now because of COVID, but I'm sure that they're going to figure out and pull themselves out and be able to, to survive and, and provide donuts for, for the foreseeable future. But if you can take that and then kind of 
insert, you know, something unique and new into that area um, and do some analysis on what other people are doing and find your own take to it, then you're going to set yourself up with a business that's going to work. I like it. So you've had multiple successful avenues at this point in time. You have your military career. You've obviously um, been able to find a formula that works for you. If you had like one key or to success or one thing that is a non-negotiable for you that goes into everything that you do, what is that for you? Yeah. Um, I think for me, I, I had a wise man once tell me, um, look at where you're going or sorry, look at, uh, where you want to go and, and not look at where you're going. Um, Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. So instead of, you know, instead of focusing on your present situation and what you're not doing right now, focus on what you could be doing, you know, uh, take the time to, to strategize and plan, um, and figure out what you have to do to, to get where you want to be. And simply just start doing it and start being what you want to be. If you want to be a, you know, if you want to have a wine club, then start a wine club. If you, if you want to, you know, be a wine club owner, then start acting like a wine club owner. If uh, you want to, you know, be a thought leader, then start acting like a thought leader by putting your thoughts out there. You can't be a thought leader if people don't know what you actually think because you don't say it. So uh, you just got to start being that person and you'll become that person uh, through, through a process and over time. That's amazing advice. And I'm sure there's somebody listening that says that sounds like an awful process. Um, and I hate to tell you guys, I think it is, <laughs> but what, I mean, I personally believe in, and I think based upon what I know about you, that you'll agree with me. Um, if not, feel free to disagree. But I think that the people that you surround yourself with are so important in getting you from who you are right now to who you want to be. Um, Talk a little bit about um, the communities that help you kind of get where you're going. Yeah, this is something that I think about a lot. You got to really diversify your portfolio and your network. Um, you need to find the communities that you need to part, be a part of there for your industry. Um, you know, the ones that are their niche. And, you know, if you're, if you're, you run a donut shop, then you need to find other donut shop owners. Um, but you, then you want to also go laterally a little bit and find, uh, you know, donut, donut producers and, uh, coffee makers and, um, find all these little things that are around like your core offer, your core business, which is a donut shop. Um, and then you want to go and find the communities for that do that know the things that you do in your business. Well, for example, uh, marketing, you know, don't just like find the donut marketing donut shop marketing companies but you know find find the the communities that just teach you how to do marketing well or um or podcasting or whatever those things are but find these little communities that that serve a purpose that help you get better at that little niche and then just start engaging and networking in those areas and uh you'll be amazed at, at what you can learn from those people um just by talking to people I love it. And I think um, we have an entirely hungry audience at this point. I think this is like the 19th time we've said donut. And I think <laughs> that like Krispy Kreme needs to give us some royalties at this point for all the donuts we're going to sell. I'll have to do a donut and wine pairing. Thing yes. Do donuts and wine go together? Those are two things I would not have thought of. I would have thought sweet and sweet. Challenge accepted. I bet I can put something together. Yes. So I think that um, if she 
isn't now she was listening and she'll go back and listen to this. So Dawn was listening and she always looks for your pairings. So, oh, she just commented. Yes. So she'll be waiting for your donut and wine pairing. We'll, we'll put it out. We'll put it out, uh, put it out to the email list and I'll, I'll give it over to you if we, we put something together for it. I like it. Okay. So let's talk to the me's out there that say, I don't drink wine. I don't like it. Like there's so many reasons I could give you that I don't drink wine um, other than the fact that I, it just doesn't make me feel good. But for the people out there who say there's not a wine that I, that I like, um, what do you say to them? How, how do they put their trust in you to find that wine? Do you think that, I guess the better way to ask this, do you think there is a wine out there for everybody? You just haven't found it yet. That's a great question. First off, I, the reason I like wine is because wine isn't for everybody. Um, it, it really isn't. And that's, and I'm okay with that. My job is not to convince people to like wine. Uh, my job is to convince people that are uh, buying wine at the grocery stores to find a new way to buy wine. Um, and so, you know, if, if you had wine that you don't like, uh, first I'd ask is where you got it. And look, there's, there's great buys at the grocery store. Um, that's not what I'm saying, but maybe you just need a new process for how you find wines. And so the way to do that is by having conversations, um, not just with your friends, but when you go to the grocery store, you go to the bottle shop, you go to a wine shop or, uh, you go to a wine bar or something to actually talk to the person serving you the wines, learn what they like, learn, uh, what they don't like, um, ask them to guide you. And they're not going to just guide you to the most expensive wine. They're going to guide you to a wine that you're going to love because they know that because the wine industry has a brand loyalty problem, um, just like a lot of other industries. And so they can't, they can't just give you one wine and make you happy with that one, that one wine. They know that they need to teach you how to pick wines you like if they want to get your business over time. And so just go in, have a conversation with somebody and ask them to guide you to the wines that, that they think you're going to like. And I guarantee you, your, your chances of finding a wine you're going to like is a lot higher. I love it. I do have to, in full transparency, tell you that we went to um, brunch the other day and somebody had pre-ordered um, sangria. And I was like, oh, I don't normally drink wine. And they were like, try this. And I was like, this is the best stuff on the planet. And so I had to get the recipe and it was the brandy in it for sure. So I can do <laughs> wine and brandy, can do wine and brandy, but I don't know that I can do wine. But um, that was interesting for me because I think just like careers, just like relationships, just like communities that you're going to be a part of, we at some point in time convince ourselves we don't like something. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Yep. something happens that's like, oh, I didn't realize this is what it was. And this is one of the things that I love about what you're putting together is like somebody can sign up for it and be like, just send me something that I wouldn't normally try myself so that I can find out what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. And I think it's important to um, not just have those, you know, try those things that you never would have tried before. Um, but, you know, it's okay to to be, allow somebody to guide you to that, you know, I'm not saying it has to be me or anything like that, but, you know, actually. But it should be. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> but, but get somebody who's, it's like their actual job to like, wine's no joke, their job, like let them do their job. You know, you, you're good at, you're a lawyer, you're good at law. So go do law. Now let somebody who does wine do wine for you. Oh, if you only knew, um, so you're saying that people should be okay asking for help 
Definitely. Oh, there's a lot of people out there that are cringing right now, but I think you're right. And, and, you know, for us, I like to say, we're not just, you know, giving a man a fish, we're teaching him how to fish. You know, yeah. we're, we're not just like, hey, I'm going to give you like an endless supply of recommendations for wine. I want to teach you how to come up with your own recommendations for wine for yourself and your friends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I hope I work myself out of a job and that through the course of our, our wine club, you're like, you know what, I need to, I need to end my subscription to Chris's wine club because I know how to pick great wines now. Um, because I know if, if I can help somebody get to that point, then we're going to have even better things to offer them at the, after that. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's so amazing because I love the passion that you have for your wine club. But when I hear you talk, I don't think that you're offering a wine subscription. I think that you're providing a way for people to make memories with their family. You're providing a way for people to expand their perception of what they like, what they don't like. You're providing a way for people to have a quality of life revolving around entertainment that maybe they didn't know could exist. And that's an exciting place to be. Yeah. I, I think wine is, is also, you know, it's, it's, it's part power. It's, it gives you the power to connect with people, get the conversation flowing, generate new ideas, generate new business. Um, and it all starts with, you know, unlocking wine one glass at a time. I love it. Um, so we're going to get to this a little bit later as well, but if people want to check out your wine club, if they want to learn more about the wineries that you work with, if they want to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, uh, best place. Uh, first, I'd recommend is they they go to uh, Instagram, um, connect with me there. So just Instagram.com slash the real Chris Levy, and that's uh, K R I S L E V Y. Um, please, you know, give me a follow, uh, shoot me a DM. I love chatting with people. You know, tell me what wines you like, and I'd be more than happy to to point you in the right direction, find some wines that you're gonna love. Um, and then the the other place you can just head to chrislevy.co slash wine club. Um, and now that will give you, uh, show you, show you the wine club and show you what we got going on there. I love it. All right. So this is the more than corporate podcast. We talk about defining success and I believe that you don't find success. You create it by being intentional about everything that you do, um, in your day, week, month, and year. So for you, what does success mean to you? How do you define that? Success for me is about fulfillment. Um, and that was a big thing I had to learn about, about the, the day job is that, you know, I can't get everything I want in life from the military. You can't get everything you want in life from any one source. And so you have to kind of diversify that fulfillment and, um, and go find the things that, uh, you want out of life from all the sources that you're going to need to get it from. And so, uh, to me, success is, uh, being, you know, confident in what I'm doing, what I'm building, um, how I'm, you know, helping out, you know, improving the world, contributing to, to society and everything um, while building the life that I know I'm going to love. It's such an amazing definition. And I want to touch on something that you just said, because I think it's so important that you can't get everything that you're looking for from one thing. So how do you defer diversify? I mean, we we, from the time that we're kids, we're ch told to pick a career that we want to do. Like school is um, really encouraged. You pick a career for so many people that becomes their identity. So how do we diversify that um, to make sure that we're really getting the fulfillment we need? Yeah, no, that's a great, another great question. And I'm going to, so I'm taking this uh, systems engineering class 
uh, for grad school right now. So I'm going to try to give you this, uh, hopefully not too complicated answer, but uh, I'll, I'll try to make it simple, as simple for myself as possible. As long uh, as there's no numbers in it, we're good. <laughs> no, 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 no. Start num talking numbers, numbers I'm out. Uh, so we have these things in, in uh, you have these things in, in systems, uh, engineering, everything. It's called uh, complex adaptive systems. Um, the human body is a complex adaptive system and that, you know, um, the sum of its, of its whole is greater than the parts. Uh, I, I kind of look at fulfillment the same way. And this whole, you know, essentialism, um, I can't remember who the author is. And the one thing, um, uh, another great book, uh, they're great books and they're great principles. Like, hey, focus on one thing, do one thing and do well. I think that's great. I think it's great advice for somebody, you know, who, um, who, who needs that. Um, but I slightly disagree, at, at least for my life. Uh, I don't, I don't subscribe to that philosophy. And I believe that having all of these things in my life that are important to me, cumulatively add up more than they do by themselves. And to me, that's how you get more out of life. And that's how you optimize and maximize your time and what you get from it. Um, because of how they, they all come together, uh, and add to it in that way. Yeah, I love that answer. And I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day because we talk about um, do one thing and do it well, but all the uber successful people that I know have multiple income streams coming in. And so it seems really counterintuitive to tell somebody the way to success is to do one thing and do it well. But if you want to have this level of success, you have to have multiple income streams. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, I agree with that. And you, I think you need to do one thing well for, for a season or for a period, you know, um, like if you're launching a product, like that should be probably your only focus for that period of time. Um, and I think also successful entrepreneurs are ones that can, rapidly shift focus and adapt to the changing situation. You know, one minute they can go from, uh, you know, marketing and, and writing content or whatever. And the next minute they're in a high level meeting with potential clients. Um, you've got to be able to rapidly uh, to switch focus and put the right hat on at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, how do you pay attention or what do you pay attention to for you personally to listen to your, your mind, body, emotions, whatever it is you listen to that says, okay, I need to make a shift. This isn't for me anymore. Ooh, really good question. Um, I think, I think I look at how one, how much time and, and gain am I getting from this benefit um, and that benefit doesn't have to be monetary, you know, it can be, you know, uh, personal benefits, you know, fulfillment, however you want to look at that. Um, and two, you know, it's how, how do I see this kind of playing out in the long term? Uh, can I really see myself hitting this goal or hitting this objective or, you know, can I really see myself doing this? Um, what are the individual steps I need to do to get there? If I can't see that path, I can't see that that line um, doesn't have to be linear, uh, but if I can't see it, then it probably tells me that um, I one I don't have the clarity I need to move forward on this project, or uh, two I just need to drop it all together. That's really interesting, and I I love the way that you um, the way that you kind of thought through that process. I think this is something that 
so many times people commit to something and then it's that moment where they're like, I can't do this for another day when they finally decide to make a shift. And it's really important that people figure out what to do between maybe I'm not fulfilled to I don't want to get up out of bed in the morning. There's, there's that middle ground where you can make a shift and not enough people give themselves permission to do it. Yeah. You need to have indicators and sensors and, and have feedback, um, have feedback loops in your life that are letting you know, like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't the path that I want to be on. Um, and so that way you can make that decision before you have to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're talking personality traits for just a minute, we talked earlier about how being an entrepreneur is not something that's necessarily bred into your DNA. It's something that you learn. It's something that you work on. And I 100% agree with that. So if we're talking personality traits, give me the top two, maybe three, if you want, personality traits that you think are necessary for a successful entrepreneur. Great. Oh, that's a tough question. Um, man. I mean, number one is adaptability that hands down, that's, that's always going to be my go-to. It's the polymorph, the, the leader and the follower, the person that can just look at a situation, visualize an end state, visualize a goal, and then adapt themselves to that situation to get, to get the result that they want. Um, that's, I think that's the most, the most important characteristic or scalar personality trait that you can have uh, as an entrepreneur. Um, the second is just being personable and having personality and authenticity. Um, I kind of lump all those things together. doesn't mean you have to be extroverted or outgoing or anything like that, but um, just make sure that there's some life there more than what's on the surface. Um, and when you kind of tap into that, people start to notice and people kind of gravitate towards you and they want to be around you and they want to share your story. Um, and that gives you kind of the boost that you need sometimes. I love it. So we're going to shorten that down to be a, a personable chameleon. That's how you're a successful entrepreneur. Is that, does that basically wrap it up? Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> I expect to see a lizard as your new logo for your wine club, Chris, the chameleon. <laughs> oh. I love it. Um, don't do that. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I do want to end this with a quick random round though. And I'll ask you some lighthearted questions, not like that hard stuff we just got through. Um, is that okay with you? Let everybody Absolutely. get to know you a little it. bit more. Perfect. It. If you could do anything other than what you're doing now, what would you like to attempt? Oof. Um, I actually... I've actually always wanted to do, uh, I've actually always wanted to do interior design. Um, I, there's just something about walking into a room and like everything, like kind of in the place it's meant to be in um, and just like how warm and inviting it is. And this like, this speaks to my hospitality. So I'm from Texas um, and Southern hospital, all my family's from New Orleans and Southern hospitality is like deep in my blood. And so just like a wine kind of sets the mood for a dinner. I believe, you know, how you organize a room and how, how you, if you're going to go into a business meeting, how you organize the table, like all of that needs to be intentional um, in a way that's going to get you, you know, get the results that you want, uh, which hopefully is just a good meeting or a good connection or good, good conversations with friends. I love it. You know, I ask this question and there are sometimes where people say something to me and I'm like, really? But 
I can totally see that. Like that doesn't shock me at all. I can 100% see that. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? I would go, I would go see the Roman empire. Um, I, I've been reading a lot of, a lot of ancient history, uh, for my current, my grad school program. Um, and I've just always been a history buff, um, and just the feats and the history, the stories, like it just fascinates me. And I, at the end of the day, they're just people um and they're they kind of get recorded in history in this kind of unique way but um i am always in awe of the roman empire and have always that have always wanted to learn more and um see what we've been really like back in those days i love it um we already talked about the fact that you prefer audiobooks to actually reading so let's head into resources if there was a book that you've gifted or recommended the most to people um, in the entrepreneurial space what is that um relentless by tim s grover yes yeah. i love that book i it's try to so read good i try to reread it every year um if you don't know what you're supposed to do, just pick that, you know, put that, pick that book up, start reading, hit it on play. And then by the end of the book, you'll know what you need to do. Yeah. I had been meaning to read that book for a while. And then I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I ended up reading it, not knowing really his whole story. I ended up reading it the weekend after Kobe died. And I was like, this is not the way, like I was crying. I'm like, this is so ridiculously emotional um, because you really get insight into who he is and also who Kobe was um, yeah. in that book so much. Yeah, definitely. I love it. I love it. All right. One more time. Where can everybody track you down if they want to continue this conversation? Yeah, no, uh, Instagram, uh, just Instagram.com slash the real Chris Levy, K R I S L E V Y. Um, you can also find me on, on Facebook, uh, under the same name. Um, and then, you know, shoot me an email, feel free to shoot me an email, just Chris at Chris Levy.co K R I S at, uh, K R I S L E V Y.co. And, I'd uh, be more than happy to, to answer any questions people have about wine, entrepreneurship, or anything else. I love it. All right. The last question. This is what I end my podcast with every single time. I'm a music nerd. I need to know what your pump up song is. Yeah. Um, Levels by Avicii. Uh, I'm a huge EDM uh, fan. That, that's, my, that's been my go-to song for about uh, 10 or 11 years now. That's, that's oh my gosh. That's amazing. Have you heard um, the slower remake of Avicii's Wake Me Up? No, I haven't. I'll send it to you. A friend okay. of mine sent it to me last week okay. and I listened to it and it's so freaking good. Like it's completely stripped down a slow acoustic version of Wake Me Up. It's so okay. good. I'll shoot it Thank over you. to you. All awesome. Right. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing what happens with your wine club in the future. I think it's going to explode and just create this amazing opportunity for people to learn more about wine. Thanks, Amber. Likewise.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, the name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.